Thank you, Pastor Greg, for your overly generous and kind and gracious words. Uh, We are the one who are blessed to be here. Jeannie and I always feel like we're coming back home when we have the joy of coming to Lake. And thank you, uh, Pastor Greg and Chris, for hosting us. It's just uh, a great joy and and great delight. You know, there's no greater joy than to see... um, men and women and young people and children grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and who live in the, in the flow of the Holy Spirit and uh, who are growing to become more and more like Jesus Christ. For the years that uh, we've known this multiply gifted man, and first time I've ever heard him sing, I know he used to travel all over the country and Europe, other parts of the world. And uh, so uh, God has given him so many gifts We're thankful that God brought you here, and we're honored and privileged to be with you this morning. And I have to just tell you, I leaned over to Jeannie last night and again this morning and said, aren't you proud of Carol, Carol Kewitt? Again, the first time I met her, she was praying about whether or not uh, they would have any children. Now God's given her these six strapling young men. Two of them were here last night. I had to look up to them. And uh, so it's a great uh, joy how God has moved in so many of your lives and you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Before uh, we have the privilege of sharing God's word for a few moments, let's bow, if we may, in prayer. Our Father and our God, we rejoice and give thanks for blessing upon blessing. How great you are and how greatly to be praised how we need to continually thank you, offer you the sacrifice of praise, and bring glory to you in all that we do. We thank you that was the heart of the psalmist who wrote the 115th Psalm. May it be our heart as we touch base again with some of the basics of the Christian faith. Guide us, we pray. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. And may praise and honor and glory flow to the one who alone is worthy of it, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It's not about you. Those were the surprising words, the first sentence of Rick Warren's best-selling book, now selling over 40 million copies of The Purpose Driven Life. That is kind of the bedrock of the Christian faith, that life is primarily not about us, that we have been created in the image of God for His purposes, and that the greatest joy of life is to first of all recognize that and then to walk in love and obedience in following Jesus day by day. We're not sure just when this psalm was written or who wrote it. Most biblical scholars think it was during a time of exile in the history of Israel. If that is true, things were not going particularly well. And we see some of that reflected in the psalm, as Pastor Greg has just read for us. But in the midst of circumstance, and isn't it interesting that in our lives, we often do not truly pray until things become desperate. That even as Christians, we we kind of work out these formulas, and for most of us, they're just subconscious formulas. And when we run out of all the options, we've gone through the whole grocery list, then we cry out to God. How wonderful it is to live a life of prayer. Not merely to pray, but to live the life of prayer. 
The Apostle Paul talked about this praying without ceasing. And to live a life of prayer is not merely religious. It is simply staying in touch with God, communing with Him day by day and moment by moment and seeking Him and trusting Him and committing our way to Him. It was O.H. Helsby, a Norwegian Bible college professor in the latter part of the 1800s who wrote a book on prayer. I've quoted it to many of you before. But he basically says, the definition of prayer is simply to invite Jesus into our hearts, to commune with Jesus, Revelation 3.20. But he said there are two prerequisites for authentic prayer. The one is a state of helplessness. I don't know about you, I'm in some situations right now in our ministry that are, humanly speaking, I feel very, very helpless. But the second is faith. It is so wonderful that when we're in the right relationship to God through Jesus Christ, we can trust Him for anything and everything. And later in the psalm, we're going to see this. But we need to recognize and be reminded this morning that we begin with God Himself. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to Your name be the glory. To You be the glory. It's an old hymn that many of us love, To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. You know, in Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 11, the Lord makes this statement. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not share with another. There is one in all the universe who is worthy of our worship. To him be the glory. I can look back over the 98 years of ministry that I've been involved in and just be amazed when I stop to analyze the fact I have never done anything in my life that is very worthy except as God has given me the strength, the encouragement, the anointing, the power to do. That's not a feeling of inferiority. That is a feeling of recognition of who God is and who I am. And that's what the psalmist was doing. Paul, you remember, wrote 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, let us do all to the glory of God. And then it, he added, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A wonderful way to live. Not unto us. Not unto us. In fact, it is really the basis of the Christian faith. It is not primarily about us, but about Him, because Christian conversion is predicated on that truth, that we were all born walking the wrong way. Jeannie and I were with uh, a young couple a few days ago who were telling us about their two-year-old daughter. She just turned to pretty sharp little girl, cute as can be. 
And she, of course, has to sit in the back seat by herself in the car seat, and they're driving down the road carrying on a conversation, and suddenly the little voice from the background, the back seat, says, How about me? And she said uh, they talked to her a little while and then resumed their conversation, wrote a little further. little voice came again, How about me? And that is just the foundation of our lives often. What about me? What about us? What about mine? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must do three things. One of the wonderful things about Lake Avenue Church, and we love this church so much, we feel so much at home, and Greg is so gracious to invite us to come, and all of you. If anyone will come after me, he must first of all deny himself. This church is is comprised of so many wonderful people from so many different denominations and and backgrounds and so many ethnic groups and nationalities and races. It is wonderful. It is a, a little glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Still remember when Debbie graduated, our daughter Debbie from Marshall High School, at that time there were 87 different language groups in the high school. And that's the privilege you have of living here. But the most difficult step in becoming a Christian is saying no to ourselves. I deny myself. I say no, no, no. Not unto us. Not unto us. Not unto me. I am not the center of the universe. And I'm no longer going to be the center of my life. I no longer am seeking my own way and doing my own thing and getting what I want. I say no to that. And then I convert. I turn. It's all the word means, conversion, to turning. I take up my cross. The Apostle Paul put it in different vocabulary. I die to myself and I come alive to Jesus Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, we must be born again. That's what it means. I've been born going the wrong way. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have gone, each one of us, our own way to do our own thing. And then we encounter Jesus and we say, I no longer want to go that way. I want to convert. I want to turn. And suddenly the Christian life becomes very, very simple. It is all about following Jesus. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And every one of us in this room have had that experience. For some it's been a a very dramatic experience. Damascus Road kind of experience. For some, it's been a a process over a period of years. But the bottom line is, what direction are we going today? Are we following Jesus? It's primarily not about us. It is all about God. His glory. To your name be the glory. And notice that... um, The passage, chapter 115 and verse 1, puts it this way. Because of your love and because of your faithfulness. Here was a writer. We assume it was a man, but we don't know. But he was writing the very words of God. He was being inspired by the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of his trouble and difficulty and challenges, he had his priorities right. 
He understood who God was and he understood who he was. And he expressed it in two basic attributes and characteristics of God. Your love. If we would think the ocean filled and if the skies of parchment made were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, we could never begin to write the love of God. We'd run out of ink. We'd run out of parchment. We need to come back to that again and again. God loves us. And those of us who are Christ followers know that He loved us so much He gave the greatest sacrifice that God could ever give or any person could give, His own Son. And so Paul writes in the book of Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And His faithfulness. I try to develop the discipline, and I confess sometimes I fail, of not going to sleep at night. Jeannie and I always pray together before we go to sleep. And I'm the kind of person who turns over and goes to sleep. Boom. And I've been trying to cultivate the discipline for the last number of years of not going to sleep until I thank God for His faithfulness that day and kind of go down the list. And I don't know, you need to do what works best for you. And in the morning when I go out jogging and walking, at this stage of life I do both. In my times of walking, my first period of walking is to just offer praise and worship to God. And the second portion is to rehearse again, to just thank Him for His faithfulness. I think of how many times I have failed God over the years. But He has never, ever failed me, nor you. Not unto us. Oh Lord, not unto us, but but to your name be the glory. It's all about you. You are the one who created me. You are the one who loved me. You are the one who has a wonderful plan for my life. You are the one that are open to guide me. You are the one who has promised that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. You are the one that invites us to live in intimate fellowship and communion with you day by day. Praise be to God. It's all about God. And as we've shared earlier, all about His glory. Glory be to God. The psalmist in Psalm 72 and verse 19 put it this way, The whole earth is full of His glory. That's not the question. All of creation gives glory to God. That is not the question. The question is whether we are giving glory to God or if we are still in the old life cycle of always being concerned about me. One of the common denominators of people who have a critical spirit is their priorities are upside down. They are always criticizing and complaining and nothing is ever good enough because they are focused upon themselves. How freeing it is to get our priorities right. And friends, the day of graduation doesn't take place until we get to heaven. I'm not suggesting for a moment that this is my lifestyle. Every minute, every, every day, I seek for it. I pray for it. You seek for it. You pray for it. And thank God we can always come back to the rock who is always faithful. He forgives and He restores. 
It is a great joy to follow Jesus. But notice as we go on in the psalm, the third point. First, it's not primarily about me or us. It's all about God. And thirdly, it's not about other things or other people. Our lives can become very much focused on ourselves and people who are significant to us or things that are significant to us. This psalmist rehearses from the culture of his day where there were literally idols, and in some parts of the world today there still are, images created to worship, representing deity or thought of as deity as the case may be. That's pretty simple and clear. Over and over, God dealt with the Israelites as they would take idols and Asherah poles and and other focus or foci of worship. And he would ask them to get rid of them and burn them and destroy them. But our idols are a little more challenging. Like Pastor Greg, I've had the privilege of traveling to many nations of the world and many nations in various parts of the world where there are physical idols. But it is my opinion, this is not thus saith the Lord, this is thus thinketh Paul Cedar. It is my opinion that possibly one of the most idolatrous countries I have ever visited is the United States of America. We do not have the little images or the big Buddhists or whatever the expression may be. But our idols are more subtle. It's anything that moves us from giving God his place and his priority, anything that takes that place or infringes upon it. For example, materialism. If you ask most people from the two-thirds world, what is the God of the United States? It depends on whether or not they've been here. For many, they think this is a Christian nation. And then they come and visit and they find that our real God isn't Jesus Christ. It's stuff. Materialism. Possessions. And it even creeps into the church. And believe it or not, even into my life. We have so much stuff. I was sharing last night that uh, it's fascinating to speak in different parts of the country. And uh, one of the things I sometimes share is uh, if you live in Southern California, you are kind of to a different different paradigm. Because if I am speaking in the Midwest or East or even most places in the South, people have basements. Basements are just a wonderful place to keep your stuff. I mean, I have been in basements that you don't get beyond the first step in the bottom of the basement. Or there's a little narrow aisle with all this important stuff. And our culture tells us the one who has the most stuff when he dies wins. That's not how God sees it. So we say, what about those of us who live in California? I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, and I promise not to drive by your house, but most park their cars in the outside in the driveway for a very functional reason. 
there isn't room in the garage. And when there is room, it's usually precarious in case some, we have an earthquake and the boxes or whatever it is comes crashing down in the car. I just simply use that as an illustration. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. It isn't all about stuff. In fact, Jesus said, those of us who have a lot of stuff have a greater challenge than those who have little. Jesus said it is more difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It is not easy to have a lot of stuff and to keep God in the right priority because we always have to get more. Get an iPod and six months later they come out with a new one. Or whatever it is. Always have to get more and more and more. And whatever we get, it never fully satisfies. We always need something else. I have a wonderful pastor friend here in Southern California who's now retired, who was pastor of a very affluent church, a wonderful evangelical church. He's a great, godly man. And he tells the story of during the terror, the reign of terror of Idi Amin in Uganda, that he was asked to go to minister to the people who had lost so much. It is said that in that reign of terror, virtually every family, every person in the nation was touched by at least one of the family members who had been murdered or executed. It was a dark time. It was a terrible time. It was unimaginable. And he just struggled. What was he going to say? What would be his message? How was he going to minister to these people? And so he worked on his message and all. As you know, Africa is a long plane trip. Usually have to go to Europe and change planes and then go from there. So he had a lot of time to think and pray. And he was in despair until he got off the airplane. His problem was solved. He had never been to that nation. He had never been with African Christians. He did not know what was awaiting him. Instead of people who were mourning and grieving and focusing on themselves, he encountered the most joyous Christians he had ever met in his life. They were there to meet him in song, in praise, in worship to God. They, like the psalmist, were in a terrible situation, but their priorities were right. And he said, my life was absolutely changed during those days he spent there. Wherever he went, it was exactly the same. The believers were focused on God. It's not about ourselves or others, other things or other people. We can have wonderful things that become our gods. They simply get out of priority. People that we appreciate. Or I was using the illustration last night of sports. I confess I'm a sports fan. I have to be very careful. It can be very consuming. A dear friend who was our family doctor for many years, an outstanding Christian and a gifted evangelist. And uh, Jeannie and I visited him uh, and his uh, new wife a few years ago, and they were living on a golf course, beautiful golf course. And uh, they had a beautiful home and a golf course, and I said, uh, are you playing much golf? 
And he looked at me and said, no, I can't play golf anymore. I thought there was a physical limitation. And I said, well, you know, why not? And he said, because it quickly consumes me. I cannot just go out and have fun and then come home. It consumes me. It consumes my thoughts, my mind. And I want my thoughts and minds and life to be focused on Jesus Christ, not on golf. Not wrong to play golf if you can keep it in perspective. Not long to watch angels, by the way, they won last night. If you, if you keep it in perspective. Not wrong to love people if it, you keep them in perspective. Not wrong to have children, but they cannot become our gods. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, not unto things, not unto people, but unto You be the glory. And the fourth point, it's all about trusting God. It's all about trusting Him. O house of Israel, verse 9, Trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear Him, who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is there, and I would change the pronoun to our. He is our help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. Whatever the circumstances, if we are riding high and things are going really well. I met a brother here last night I had not met before. It's been 18 years, believe it or not, since uh, we had the privilege of being with you as your pastor and pastor's wife. And so, so many of you have come during these last 18 years, and you are so gracious again in letting us come back. But I met a brother last night who's a realtor. Three years ago, if I would have asked, and how's the realty business, I would have gotten a significantly different answer than I got last night. Life has its ebbs and flows, its time of, of, of great success, and then the times of challenge, the times of, of joy, and then the times of grief. And in them both, we need to remember who God is and who we are. And we need to trust Him with all of our hearts, for He is our help. I pray two prayers with Jeannie every morning before she leaves the house. She works in our national office. The national office of the Mission America Coalition is in Palm Desert. And I work out of our home office, as our national team of facilitators do across the country. We have 14 national facilitators. And so uh, I always pray with Jeannie before she leaves the house. And I pray for myself and our family and our colleagues, our loved ones. First of all, for the Lord's provision. He is our help. He is our provider. He is the one who has promised to care for us. This was the focus. This was the crescendo of the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. Why do you worry about this? Why do you worry about that? If God feeds the birds of the air, won't He feed you? If He clothes the flowers of the field more beautiful than Solomon and all His wealth and glory, 
Won't He provide for you? A Christian's life is a commentary on the faithfulness of God and the provision of God. If our lives are focused upon ourselves, we may always want more. But the common denominator is if we trust the Lord, He will provide for us. He loves us. He cares for us. Trust the Lord. He is our help. And secondly, He is our shield. And I find myself praying very faithfully every morning and more often than that. Every time I get on an airplane, every time I'm traveling, I'm going to get on one very, very early tomorrow morning, God willing. He is our provider and He is our protector. He is our shield. He wants to protect us. So although we normally would not look at this psalm as a psalm of prayer, I believe it really is. This wonderful theme that you've been having the last few weeks. And I was so grateful when Pastor Greg shared with me what, what has been transpiring. And when he asked if I might select a psalm, he was gracious to let me go anywhere else in the Bible. But I said, no, I want to stay in the psalms. This is a foundational psalm in my life. And I pray in all of ours. This is just the anchor. This is the difference between building on the sand or building on the rock, as Jesus used the illustration. Knowing who God is and who we are. And to pray that every day. And perhaps many times a day. I don't know about you. I need to be reminded over and over again because it is very natural Again, to assume the posture that life is all about me. It is counterintuitive to say, no, it is not about me. It is about Him. It is about God. And so whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I want to do all to the glory of God and to advance His kingdom and His purposes to His glory. And so I invite you as we close this morning to join me in a prayer. As the psalmist prayed, so may we pray. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. But to your name be the glory. Whatever I do, O Lord, may my priorities be right. May I remember who you are and who I am. May I remember your love and your faithfulness. May I remember that you are my help and shield, my provider and my protector. May I seek to bring glory to you. You will not share your glory with another, including all of us. We would glorify you, O Lord, and all we do as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.